Hello, and welcome to First Importance, the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer today is that you will be blessed and encouraged by the message to come. Prayer is so often overlooked. It is less glamorous than uh, other disciplines of our faith. It is less glamorous than perhaps attendance or singing songs of worship. It doesn't have the appeal that perhaps uh, evangelism and, uh, and preaching may have. And yet you will find that all, every one of those areas, whether it be preaching or evangelism, whether it be missions or singing, whether it be any of those things, all of them are utterly useless if prayer is subtracted from the equation. Prayer is vitally important to us. Now, I know that's a pretty easy statement to agree with, but over the next several weeks together, we are going to study from God's Word what it means to pray and what it means to be a man or woman of prayer. I shared with Sarah my New Year's resolutions. I've been told you shouldn't make resolutions. I made, did make a resolution to lose weight this year, and I shaved the day after uh, <laughs> New Year's Day, and so immediately was able to meet that goal, I'm glad to say. And then I left that mustache on for just a little bit longer so that I could say that I shed a little bit more weight a little bit later. But I was sharing with Sarah this year what my New Year's resolutions were, reflecting back on this past year and recognizing yet again, and here I am speaking to you who know uh, what I'm going to say, I sound like an old man when I say it's just going by so fast, just so incredibly fast, surely the scripture was so wonderfully true when it reminded when when it reminds us that life is like a vapor. We're here for one moment and we're gone the next. And so I've spent last week really reflecting on the year before. And I told Sarah, I, I sat down and I wrote down just a few resolutions. I'm going to read just a few of them to you here if I can bring up my notes, if it allows me to do that. I said that this year, come on now, where, here we are. I said that this year, I want to be a man of calmer temperament, calmer temperament. In the home with our children, uh, by the way, it's really easy to be patient with children uh, when my parents will often say, Josh, don't be so harsh on your children. And I'll say, well, you were only with them for three hours. So I go home with them. I know what that little uh, heart is capable of. But I know that sometimes at home my heart just gets, uh, gets frustrated and gets caught up in the moment. And I, I am by no means considered to be a man who is mild in any regards. And so this year I said, Lord, I really want to be a man of calmer and even temperament. I also said that this year <clears throat> don't laugh. I said, I want to be a man of less words, a man of less words. Come, someone said, amen. <laughs> Brother Steve Smith, 
Yeah, the, if you go around the church, I mean, I admire and respect so many of our men and women, my brothers and sisters around the church. But if I'm being really honest with you, those men who are able to restrain their words and only speak words at certain times, uh, I admire that so much. Their words carry more value. It's rare, and so they carry more value than someone like me whose words are worth uh, very cheap. I mean, it's very, very, it's always on sale. I'm never short for an opinion. I always have it. Uh, I never lack confidence in those areas. I'm always uh, willing to talk. But there's those men in the church who's slow to speak, quick to think about something. You know, I think of Mr. Flynn, several other men in our church. I could name several men in this room. And I look at those people and I say, Lord, I, I want to be a man of less words, knowing that I'm going to be giving an account for every careless word that comes out of my mouth. By the way, church, you're going to be accountable. Your spouses are going to be accountable. Your children, your grandchildren are going to be accountable for every careless word that comes out of your mouth. Think about that. If that doesn't drive you to make that same resolution. I told my family that I wanted to be a man of intent. To be more intentional in the house. To be more intentional with my free time. To make sure uh, that, that, that with the time that I've been given, to be more intentional and not to be frivolous with this gift that we've been given. And then the final one and the most important one for me was that this year, Lord, I want to be a man of prayer. That the first response, the knee-jerk response of my spirit is to take my situation to the Lord in prayer. That I would wake up thinking about Him and talking to Him. That I would come boldly before His throne, even before I get up from my bed. And that at night time as I'm falling asleep and meditating upon His Word, that my last words would be to Him, good night. Wouldn't that be your prayer? To be men and women of prayer. And yet, prayer has taken a back seat. We do not need methods in the church we do not need new programs. We need prayer. Amen. This time that we spend together on Wednesday night, in the few moments when we will cut off our live stream and spend time in prayer, the reason we cut off our live stream at that time is because this is a very intimate time where we are just sharing our hearts with one another, and it, it doesn't uh, it doesn't translate online. This is this is our time together to pray for one another. To bear one another's burdens. And yet, you look at, at this, this is the less glamorous meeting. As a matter of fact, when we have time to pray together, perhaps it's maybe intimidation or, or just a desire to get home early, people rarely even want to pray out loud or pray with one another. It shouldn't be that way in the church 
And so I want us to look at how we are to pray. And so if you want to learn how to pray, let's go to God's Word. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. And tonight I want to teach you from God's Word just briefly how not to pray. How not to pray. In our passage today, Jesus will teach us how to pray. It is what some people have called the Lord's Prayer or the Model Prayer. But before Jesus teaches His disciples how they are to pray, He first teaches them how they are not to pray. Look with me in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I pray now in these moments, with sincerity, we come before your throne and we ask, Lord, that you would illuminate the truth of your word and our lives. And like your disciples, we come to you now, Lord, and we say, through your Lord, teacher. Teach us how to pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before teaching his disciples how to pray, Jesus first teaches his disciples how not to pray. And if I were to sum up these few verses in just one word, I would say insincerely. Insincerely. If you want to know how to pray, first you need to understand how not to pray. And the first thing you need to know about how not to pray is that you must not do it insincerely. How many of you know that God knows your heart? How many of you know God knows what's going on? Now you can carry on a conversation with me and be pretty insincere and you can deceive me and fool me and we could have a great relationship. I could think so many wonderful things about you and yet they not really be true. But God knows your heart, my friends. He knows every single thing there is to know about you. You cannot hide from Him. Believers, you've been taught this many times, but it's time for you to face the truth. There is no area of your life that does not lay bare before God. He knows it all. He knows your days before you were born. He knew how many of them you would have. He knew every single Sin. He knows every hair on your head. Easier for some in this room than others. He knows every single thing about you. And so when Jesus says, when he teaches them how to pray, in these first few verses, in verses 5 through 8, I believe he's teaching us that we are not to pray insincerely. 
Let's look at this together in verses, uh, in verses uh, 5 through 6. I want you to see that Jesus is giving them an example of someone who prays insincerely and they pray for the praise from others. They pray for the praise from others. Look with me in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. If you want to pray insincerely, you will pray for the praise of others. This is demonstrated all throughout the New Testament. It may seem like a foreign idea to us today, although I think that if you really give it some heavy thought, you'll see that it's present even in Baptist churches today. But you'll see here in the New Testament era, over and over again, this idea where these people wanted to look religious outwardly. And so their robes, their clothes would demonstrate that. People would see the verses that they have written on the tassels of, 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 their, of their clothes. Everything they did, the Pharisees wanted everyone just to see how righteous they were. And their prayer life was the same. If you have your Bibles, move with me very quickly to Luke chapter 15. <clears throat> Luke chapter 15. Excuse me, I wrote down my wrong reference here. I think it's Luke chapter 18. I'm sorry, I can't read my own handwriting. Luke chapter 18. There we go, here we are. Now we're cooking with peanut oil. Here we go, Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Jesus tells a parable, verse 9, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Verse 10, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be Exalted. When Jesus teaches his people how to pray, the first thing he says not to do is don't pray like these Pharisees who want praise from others. Now, what Jesus is not saying here, he's not saying that you shouldn't have prayer meetings and pray together. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you should not stand and pray as a platform to have others look at you. Prayer is not about you. As we will learn, I hope, within a few weeks, prayer is not about moving the heart of God, but about God moving your heart. Not about changing God's mind, but about changing your heart. God's just fine where He is. His foundation is, is secure. It's 
It's uh, us, our flesh that needs to be moved. It's our weaknesses that need to be changed and strengthened by His Spirit. It's our sin that needs to be eliminated by the power of His Holy Spirit. Prayer is not a platform for your pride. That's what Jesus is saying here. As we gather together to pray, as we have a prayer meeting, a few moments we share this uh, prayer requests that are on our hearts. And some people may say, well, I don't want to stand and pray because I don't have the right words. I don't know exactly how I could stand and pray. Well, good. if you just begin with not doing it for yourself and for your glory, you've got a pretty good start. Jesus says here, don't do it like these Pharisees, like these hypocrites. And he tells them their reward is already there. They've gotten their reward. You know, in this day of uh, social social media, uh, I find myself just so frustrated uh, with it. And and church and us church people can even be even worse about it. I mean, when you when you think about it, when you think about Jesus telling us to do our good deeds and not to proclaim it to others and to let our reward be in heaven, he does that for a reason. And yet, someone will get in a plane. They'll save up money. They'll they'll buy a plane ticket. They'll travel all the way around the world to Africa. They'll go and start to work with with the people there. They'll dig a well for people to have water. They'll share Jesus. They'll have a lot of people who are converted to follow Jesus and then they'll snap a picture of themselves and they'll put it on Facebook or they'll put it on social media and they'll say, look at what I did. And in that one second, all of that eternal reward was traded for that momentary approval. It's the same way with prayer. We don't, we don't do it for the approval of others. Jesus says here, the Pharisees, the hypocrites, they have their reward. People talk good about them. But one day, those people who talk good about them will die. And the one whose opinion matters will have a very different opinion on their life. Don't pray insincerely for praise from others. But next, I want you to see... That we're not to pray insincerely, and that is for the praise of self. Look with me in verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Uh, I've grown up in Southern Baptist churches. Uh, I am so thankful for that wonderful gift that God has given me, and that from the day that I was born, uh, I, you know, I couldn't say many, I, I was, I'm told that when I was born, I couldn't say any words, but I, I think I said Lottie Moon, that's one of my first words, right, as a Southern Baptist, that wasn't, it was cookies, cookies was my first word, and it was foreshadowing a problem that would develop later on in my life, but I've always been a Southern Baptist, and I've, it's always been a point of humor from a child going to the teenage years, not so much as an adult, and it's not this way really in this church, but when a, a deacon or someone would have an opportunity to come up and to pray, and come up and pray for the offering, and sometimes it would just, 
let's see how we would all be standing waiting for the offer. Remember, we passed the, I don't know, you passed it in the middle of the service. We'd all be, we'd been singing, we're standing, and when the, when the man, the usher gets done praying, then we can all sit down and we're going to pass the plate. And then sometimes you would think, am I ever going to sit down? And what is he even talking about at this point? Uh, he just listed off a prayer request. None of us know anything about. He just said a word I'm pretty sure he's unfamiliar with. I would like, there were times as a kid where I knew my limited vocabulary, but who, there are times as a kid where I wanted to get out a dictionary and say, do you really know what word you just said? Do you know what it means? There's got to be some type of limit there, you know. That's kind of, I say that kind of jokingly. But we, we say all kinds of weird we really do. Sometimes we just put up empty phrases in our prayer life. Sometimes Christian, well, Christians are really bad about just... I was listening to Christian radio, which sometimes can just be the worst. And someone called in and was talking about a hard time in their life. And some the guy said, I'll just pray that the Lord will refresh you with fountains of... And he went on and on and on. I went... What are you talking about, man? You say, I'm sorry for what you're going through, and I'll be praying for you, and then don't make us all feel weird, you know? But prayer is not about the amount of syllables that you put up to the Lord. Here, Jesus says, your Father already knows. He already knows what you need. I don't have to have the right formula, the right the right words to access. If I've been born again, if He has saved me from my sin, if I'm covered in His blood, if He's robed me with His righteousness, I can come before His throne boldly, reverently, yes, as we'll see in the weeks to come. But I can come boldly so, not empty putting up to God just these empty phrases and these empty words. He knows our hearts. When we do that, we're just lifting up ourselves. He says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. It makes me think of Ecclesiastes 5.2. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. Some of the most wonderful prayers ever uttered by human lips will never be recorded in books for you to read about prayer. But some of the most beautiful prayers would be just those few words, Lord, please help. I think of Peter walking on the water, the Sea of Galilee. Oh, we, we went to a show in Branson and saw that. Have any of you seen the show Jesus in Branson? Anyone by chance? Just a couple of you. If you ever go to Branson and they're showing the show Jesus, you've got to go see it. Peter steps out on the water and is walking toward Jesus. And then his eyes go off to the storms and the wind. And you can feel it. In the theater, you can feel the wind on your face. And Peter just goes down underneath the water and you hear him say, Lord, help. Lord, save me. Oh, more beautiful prayer you've never heard. Lord, 
save me. God knows what you need. Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't list off what you need. That doesn't mean you shouldn't spend time just sitting there saying, Lord, this is what's going on in my life. He cares. But I want you to be mindful that it's not about the amount of syllables and words that you have in your prayer life. It's just about coming to God sincerely. Now, he's going to teach us how to pray respectfully in a moment. We're not going to get to that tonight. We'll get to that next week. But as for tonight, I want you to know you are to pray sincerely. Hey, God knows when you're being real and authentic with Him and when you're just going through the motions. God knows. And here He teaches us to pray sincerely, not insincerely. Not for the praise from others and not for the praise of ourselves. But just to come before our Father. I think how sweet it is when my children come up into my lap and when they are sincere, <clears throat> our Father loves it when we come to Him sincerely. And friends, I want you to know, maybe perhaps the reason why we have stopped becoming people of prayer is we think that we have it all together. But if you'll take a look around, if you'll look at our country, and if you'll take a look at our world, and if you take a look tonight at our city, or to drive down Broadway, and we're to look on either side of the street as you travel either east or west, you will find that prayer is our only hope. Would you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you that we can come before you boldly. And as you've taught us tonight to not pray insincerely, I pray that we would be people who approach you sincerely. I call you Heavenly Father, not just because the Bible uses those terms, although that's where I find those words, but I call you Heavenly Father because you have born me again, and I am your child, and I don't have to toss up empty phrases because these phrases carry true and real meaning. Lord, use us this week for your glory. And let us be men and women of prayer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of First Importance. We invite you to check out our other sermons on this podcast and to join us in person on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m., as well as streaming live on Sunday mornings at 10.45. We hope to see you soon at First Baptist West Memphis, where we love God, care for one another, and share the gospel.